Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, the tastiest hour of talk in Music City. Now here's your host, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and I am joined, as always, with Jen Ichikawa. What's going on, Jen? Hi. We have got an amazing show for you today. We are speaking with Tyler Cobble, who is a real estate investor, commercial real estate investor, and he's also the man behind the all-new Wash in East Nashville. He's going to tell us all about it, all about his new tenants, what the whole story behind it is, and um, that was a lot of fun. What, what you enjoy talking with him, Jen? I did. He's very nice. He's really cool, and I like I like his idea of forward thinking for Nashville. Yeah, he, I love. I do too. I, he, towards the end of the episode, he gives some pretty good advice for what he feels like is coming to Nashville and what we should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you haven't been on an intro in a while because we do these episodes, and then you've been super busy. We've all been super busy. How you been? I'm good. Yeah, we were out of town for a little bit. So uh, I wasn't here. So that's that. Um, But no, we're good. We just twin life is busy. They just went down for a nap. I can tell because there's no sounds coming from my living room. So (laughs) (laughs) how about you? uh, You know what? I've been great. I've been um, I'm supposed to be in St. Martin this week. Right. And um, that's been a tough pill to swallow every single day, like not being in St. Martin. But the restaurant's been super duper busy. Uh, Our new chef is just killing it. Chef Julius has been so Mm -hmm. awesome. So much fun. We've got new people all over the place. I feel like there's just I have this weird sense of like hope, Mm -hmm. although there's this crazy shit going on in Afghanistan and all of the insanity with this Delta variant. I don't know what it is. I'm remaining incredibly positive and uh, I'm staying hopeful. Good, good. I think for those that aren't, I mean, I was reading some, because to me, like the weight of the world becomes overbearing sometimes between like everything going on on the planet and then everything going on in your county and everything going on in your home. And I get like very overwhelmed with those. And I read something that said like, you can't, you can't take up for everything. So, you know, every day do one thing that, affect something and then you can slowly kind of take it out and also take mental health days because those are those are so important you know i almost feel like these interviews to me are mental health moments you know like being able to sit and just talk to somebody uninterrupted for an hour and really dig in and get deep to me like is it is therapy like i love it so much i feel so lucky to be able to do stuff like this yeah, you definitely recharge with people. I recharge by myself. So for me, my <laughs> mental health is like alone in bed at night. I'm like, oh, I can, I don't have to be on for anything. Like, so I'm, I'm just such an introvert and you are such an extrovert. And I think that's why we work together. <laughs> it's, it's a good thing. And I, yeah. you know, I also, I, as a sober dude, you know, mm-hmm. the one thing I get through being sober is the serenity prayer. Yeah. And you know, just the idea of grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Uh, mm-hmm. That first line, like if you don't worry about the stuff that you can't change mm-hmm. or, you know, if you can, then go do it. Right. Um, I think those are just really big things that are just so simple that I just try and keep front of mind, mm-hmm. like all the time. Yeah. I mean, we've quoted it at work 
I feel like a lot this week. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, yes, we have. Um, let's do a little bit of promotion. So this coming week, we've got a really big week coming up. We're going to have Ben Norton, who is the executive chef, the new executive chef over at Husk. Mm-hmm. And Thursday, we've got a really, really fun show on Thursday. So I'm going to, I'll, I'll preface this by saying, I filled out my best of Nashville. Nashville went to NashvilleScene.com and I found the best of Nashville 2021. And I filled out the entire food and drink. And then I went to the politics section and there is a there is a tab on there that says best podcast. And I wrote in Nashville Restaurant Radio because I think that we're the best podcast because I'm <laughs> I'm completely a homer and I voted for myself. Um you can do that too out there. You can go out there and do it. But as I was going through the best of Nashville food and drink, there's like 80 categories. You have to vote for at least 20 for your votes to count. If you just go in and vote for one, it won't count. You have to vote for 20 for your ballot to count. So I had this idea as I thought, why don't we do a show where we have all the influencers, all these people on Instagram who are influencing you who I don't know who they are as people. They have these tags. Let's have them on the show. And I want the show is going to be called the influencers guide to the best of Nashville. So if you don't know who the best poke is in town and you don't know who the best Indian food is in town on this episode, we're going to go over all the categories and I'm going to have influencers on to talk about their favorites. So it's going to be a whole hour and a half show. It's going to be live this coming Thursday at four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm just now getting that schedule, but it's going to go on my calendar. (laughs) (laughs) We knew it was Thursday afternoon. Uh, Four o'clock in the afternoon is going to be the time. And if that changes, we will let you know. But right now it's four o'clock in the afternoon. We figure that's good drive time. For people to listen, it's going to be live on the Nashville Restaurant Radio Facebook page, as well as our YouTube page. And we're going to be talking about all the best of Nashville stuff. We're just going to be asking people what their favorites are and hopefully help you make your selections because picking 20 things is a lot. Mm -hmm. So best Mexican, best Italian, best chef, best new restaurant, all of those things. Who do you pick? Mm-hmm. And we're going to give our picks at the end of the show. So you will get to know what we think the best of Nashville is. Yeah. And then <laughs> next Sunday night, we're having Brandon's book club, August 29th, Brandon's book club. We're going to be talking about the Anthony Bourdain book, Kitchen Confidential. It's going to be another live show. We're going to be doing it live from seven o'clock to eight o'clock on Sunday night. And then from nine o'clock to 11 o'clock, we're going to have talk and shift talk and shift. I'm going to have chef Michael Hanna. From St. Vito's Focacheria, which is now a pop-up every Sunday night at Hathorn. Uh, it is, we had there last Sunday night, and it was unbelievably wonderful. We are also going to have Alex Wenkos, who's the owner of Dino's. They're going to be our guest host for Talk and Shift, and we're just going to be Talk and Shift live next Sunday night, August 29th. So we'd love to have you there with us. Awesome. Well, let's talk to Tyler. Let's talk to Tyler, but first... We're going to hear a quick on-brand from What Chefs Want. Super excited to once again welcome in Murray Nicholson from What Chefs Want. What's going on, Murray? Not much, Brandon. How you doing? Man, I'm I'm excited. I like it when the weather starts cooling down a little bit. I start getting these 
fall vibes. I started getting into a Halloween's coming. I got this gigantic skeleton I put out in my front yard. It's just kind of a, it's a whole vibe. I'm excited for it. Oh yeah. Not to mention football. When football is combined with all that, it's it's a great time of year. I love it. Yeah. I've, I've had enough of the dog days of summer. I'm ready for the fall. And one of the things we're doing in our restaurants is we're planning our fall menus. And it's so important really to know what you're going to do for the fall. What do you guys have available? Are you guys preparing? What What do you guys do to prepare for fall? Well, so, I mean, yeah, to your point, right now is the transition point where farmers would be looking to start putting stuff in for, for fall harvest. So, uh, you know, one thing we have with our, our great local food connection program, if you if any chefs want to reach out to them, it's localfoodconnection at creationgardens.com. They have a direct line to all the farmers and producers, producers that we use. And uh, even if it can't be done regionally, they can help coordinate with something maybe in California uh, for something a little more high end or boutique. But uh, definitely a great resource to leverage, ask any questions, check for availability on products. And also it, if there is a demand for something, it can help spur on that farmer that wasn't gonna do an item to plant that, uh, knowing that they'll have uh, you know, some good sales come fall time. Wow, that's amazing. So you, we can go to um, local farm connection Forward local slash food connection. local food local, connection. Yeah, local food connection at creationgardens.com. And that gets sent to the, the entire team. It's about eight or nine individuals, and they're the ones with the direct line of communication. They're they're always planning with the farmers uh, for fall and spring and summer harvest. So uh, they can definitely help in that regard. So this is what it's about. If you want to run a successful restaurant, you want to be proactive. You don't want to wait to get the email that says, hey, this is what we have left over. You want to write your menu now. You want to identify the items that you really want. You want to communicate with your growers. You want to communicate with the shippers. You want to communicate with what chefs want as to what you possibly have. Then you guys can reach out to identify whether or not you can get the product and ensure that you're going to have it for the season. Guys, planning is everything, and I just love the fact that What Chefs Want is here to help plan with you. Correct? That's that's correct, man. And then if you know, if you forget about it and you're a chef and it gets closer to fall, we always do you know great promos on social media. So be on the lookout for our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook post. We are we're always showcasing all the cool local stuff we do when it comes to seasons and transitioning into a new time of year. So be on the lookout for that as well. I love it. You guys, your Instagram at uh, what chefs want is fantastic. And then I follow you guys on LinkedIn too. And Ian out in Denver posts all this cool stuff also. So you can even find out what they're doing on the other side of the country. You guys are just growing so rapidly. And it's because you do so many things to help your restaurant succeed. Thank you so much for joining us again, Murray Nicholson with what chefs want. Thanks, Brandon. It's a pleasure. All right, man. Have a great one. All right. You too. See ya. So we are super excited today to welcome in Tyler Cobble, who's an East Nashville real estate developer, and he is the owner of The Wash coming to Gallatin Pike. Is it Gallatin Pike? Is yeah, it, right? Gall- it's, it might be. Well, technically, it's McKinney because it's right there on the corner. It's Gallatin Avenue right there. Gallatin Avenue. Well, welcome, Tyler, to the Nashville Restaurant Radio. Yeah, Brandon. Thanks you so much for having me on, man. I'm, I'm excited to be on here. You've had an impressive uh, list of guests and I'm very humbled to be joining it. Well, it's a, uh, it's, it's a pleasure to have you and I love what you're doing. I've met the guys from Tootsie Lou's tacos, obviously Gracie and Chad uh, have been on from East side Bon me and they have a place going in there. Let's just jump 
right in. Um, what's your story, man? Where, where are you from? Nashville? Where? What? What? Where are you from? Yeah, so I am. I am one of the few, um, which certainly helps uh, being a real estate developer from Nashville. Um, we are uh, actually living in the city. We're involved in the city. We're helping build the city. Uh, but no, I grew up uh, in South Nashville and um, went to college for a little bit, made it all of about a year before I dropped out, moved back here. As I was telling you right before we got started, I actually waited tables at a restaurant called the West End Cafe, which uh, then became Americano and is now gone. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, as, as sometimes tends to happen. Um, and then I got lucky. I got a job offer in commercial real estate, a real estate developer that actually worked in that building um, who had seen me in a sales role before offered to pay for my real estate license. Um, so he gave me a 150,000 square foot shopping center, a 60,000 square foot office building and some industrial to go lease. And just over the years, I started to fall in love with East Nashville. And uh, eventually, when I started my own firm, the Cobble Group in 2018, moved to East Nashville and started focusing on the side of town. What I love so much about it was the food and beverage scene. I mean, I, in my opinion, East Nashville has some of the coolest restaurants, some of the coolest bars. And I mean, you could you could spend your entire life on this side of the river and never miss out on the rest of Nashville. And that's that's what I think is so unique. You've got a, a very cool startup culture over here. So um, back when the pandemic hit uh, is when we came up with the wash. We had been working with a lot of restaurant clients over the years that were either leasing or buying buildings uh, for mm -hmm. their concepts. And when the pandemic hit, it was obviously very devastating for restaurants, but people needed to stay open, right? They still needed to try and find a way to make money. And so I started getting calls from restaurateurs saying, hey, do you have any commercial space that has almost no seating inside, right? Because nobody could go into restaurants at that time. Like okay. we can't rent kitchens. You're having people are calling you in the middle of the pandemic. Are these people who have restaurants that are looking to expand and open a new one? Or are these people that have restaurants that were looking to downsize because they already had too big of a restaurant that said, hey, like I can't afford this. I need to go smaller. It was it was all of the above. It was it, it's interesting. We had people calling from the cities that were way worse off than Nashville, like LA, San Francisco, Chicago, to groups that were trying to move out of food trucks and get, you know, because they kind of wanted a, a commissary, but they also wanted a retail presence. Um, to groups that were like, hey, we're in three, four, five thousand square feet, and 80% of that is dining that we cannot utilize now. We need a different space. Yeah. Okay. So I'm sorry. I was just curious. She says those people are calling you and yeah. So, so they started calling and I kept saying, you know, Hey, there's, there's nothing like that in Nashville. I mean, Nashville, if you could find usually, I mean, really before the pandemic, it was like, if you could find 1200 to 1500 square feet, that was tiny. It's funny. It was always kind of that two to 3000 square foot range or, or more. And so I kept just having to turn people down and say, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can even do because we would have to go find something, build it out. It would take forever. The expense just wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense. And we've been looking at this car wash in East Nashville that, I mean, I drove past it almost every day and it yeah. had been sitting there for a few years, completely vacant. And uh, a buddy of mine actually owned it. And we were, we had been talking to him before the pandemic hit about what we could possibly do with it. The city wouldn't let you tear the original structure down. If you did, they were going to come take 20 feet of right of way for future transit. 
So, which this this parcel, if you're familiar with 1101 McKinney, where the wash is, I mean, it's yeah. 0.1 acres. It is probably 50 feet wide. So you take 20 feet of that and it's the whole parcel is gone. So right off the bat, we're having to work within the walls that are existing. And we had plans for office space, for retail, uh, for Airbnb, which is kind of ideal for Airbnb, right? Because it's on a corner, it's commercial, it's not within a neighborhood, but I just couldn't get excited about that. And I was actually driving past it, talking to a restaurateur on the phone, telling them, yeah, sorry, nothing like that exists in Nashville. Dro- uh, drove past the wash and it kind of just clicked for me. I was like, well, this is probably back in April. I was like, well, what if what if we turned each of those bays into a micro restaurant? Because ghost kitchens had been like the rave right then, right? The pandemic, yeah. hit, everybody's talking about ghost kitchens. I was like, what if we turn those into retail facing ghost kitchens where they're like basically just kitchens, but you have a walk-up counter where people can sit outside if they want to, but it's primarily for to go and delivery. And I called my partner, Jamie Pfeffer, um, who's an architect with Pfeffer's Road here in East Nashville as well. And I was like, Jamie, man, hang up on me if you think that this is crazy, but what if we took the bays and turned them into restaurants? And he had had a very similar idea uh, for that car wash that was over off of 12th Avenue South that I think became Urban Grub. Mm-hmm. Um, he had had the same idea, like, let's turn this into food stalls. So it just immediately clicked. We started working on it. I kind of floated it to Chad and Gracie over at Eastside Bond Me. Wanted to kind of get their opinion on the concept because we couldn't find anything that had been done like this before. And Jamie and I are re- we're real estate guys, right? Like we don't know how really the restaurant industry works. So we have to talk to restaurant groups and they, everybody loved it. Everybody loved it. So that's, that's kind of the story of how we found and got started on the wash. <laughs> Jen, you want to jump in there? Yeah. I was like, Oh no, we both started to talk. Um, yeah. I think it's interesting. I think it's cool because you're a fan. Like the thing about you that's different than most of the people we talk to is you're just a fan of restaurants, which is so cool. Um, and I'm, I assume to me, my biggest, the thing that makes me most nervous about when new restaurants open is the square footage. Um, my husband and I own a tiny restaurant in Brentwood and I also work for Maribel and Green Hills Grill, which are massive places, but those are, yeah, but those are staples in the community, right? So when new restaurants come in and they buy this huge piece and it's, oh, it can fit 300. It's like, when, when are you going to fit 300? So I think it's a really interesting thing. Has this shown you a side of the restaurant industry that you didn't know about or didn't think about from like a customer standpoint? Yes. I mean, I've, so I eat out almost every meal. I refuse (laughs) to cook. I, I'm, not a fan of it. You know, I've always been like, why would I keep food at home when I could just go and I mean, Nashville has so many amazing restaurants. Let's just eat out for every meal. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I've always been a fan of restaurants and to me, what I always thought was so fascinating was the food truck craze. Like when that hit Nashville, it it was like eight or 10 years ago when that really took off, you start thinking about, what that really did for the restaurant scene in Nashville. And it completely flipped everything on its head. Traditionally, you had like the Maribels of the world where it was like, it's 5,000 square feet. You have to go and raise millions of dollars to pull this together. And you kind of hope that it takes off, right? 
Whereas food trucks, it's like, if you've got $150,000 and you have a cool idea, you can pull it together and do it on your own. And so the example that I use all the time, uh, which y'all will probably think is funny, is the grilled cheesery, right? I'm like, <laughs> what, what landlord would have ever taken a chance and said, yeah, totally. I will put a grilled cheese restaurant in my space and take the chance that you guys are going to be able to pay me rent. Like no landlord probably would have taken that chance, but they crushed it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely crushed it. Became one of the most popular food trucks. And now they've got brick and mortar all over the place. Right. So, Well, that's, it's funny. Cause that's what I was going to say. It really feels like you've taken the idea of a food truck, which is, Hey, I've got talent. I've got an idea. I'm not afraid to work hard. I, I don't have the capital to put together a brick and mortar yet. I'm going to buy a food truck. I'm going to rent a food truck. I'm going to, I'm going to get out there. I'm going to see what interest there is. I'm going to build a name for myself. I'm going to drive this thing all over town and market myself. And eventually if it hits, then I can have some, some credibility, some capital to walk into a bank and say, Hey, look, this is my revenue. I'd like to do this. And you, it, it kind of works. But with what you're doing is these five spaces is essentially the same thing. I mean, if you're a young person, anybody with an idea, with some talent, this is a tiny kitchen that you can come in and do. Is it short-term leases? I mean, could you do like a six-month lease there or something along those lines? And is the idea that over the next 10 years, you have 40 restaurants that kind of start there and incubate there, then grow up and that's, hey, look, we have these amazing, this amazing restaurant scene, but they started at the wash. So that's, that is exactly the long-term plan. We're actually working on a second location over off of Dickerson Pike right now. Uh, so that we can continue doing that. Because what we found, I mean, we had a waiting list of over 20 restaurants within two weeks of announcing the project because it it got fully leased. Like it was fully leased within two weeks of announcing it, which I've never had anything go off like that. But that's exactly what it is. So you look at, like we do a lot of office and retail and you look at office space. And one of the biggest things that has happened in office space in the last 10 years is co-working. Right. So it's kind of this hybrid between your garage and a traditional office space. But you look at restaurants and there wasn't really anything like that. It's like you go to a commissary or a food truck or you you invest six or seven figures and become a restaurant. And so that was kind of what the wash became is like it's a it's an incubator. It's almost co-working for restaurant startups. And what we found when we originally started it. I always think this is, it's funny, like looking back on what we thought it was going to be versus what it became. We thought, you know, let's go get the Hattie B's of the world, the the established Nashville restaurants, the darlings that don't have a presence in East Nashville that would probably love it. And the more that we thought about it, it was, it was a, no, this project is inherently attainable for startups and, and, you know, uh, for other chefs to come in and just test new concepts, let's make it become that because that to us is a little more special. So we were very uh, particular when we were choosing who we were allowing to rent space at the wash. We wanted nobody that had, um, we didn't want anybody that had two or more locations. So the only two groups that had a prior location were Eastside Bon Me, which technically is a different concept than what they're yep. putting in the wash. Uh, and the pokey, which had a location all the way out in Brentwood. So you think about that. I mean, two Peruvian chefs, they were operating out of a food truck. Soy Cubano, he's doing pop-ups. We've got Tootsie Lou's, 
which just moved here from Austin. They're doing pop-ups. So it's a, it's a totally different uh, kind of project than what we had originally thought it was going to be. And it's giving these restaurant concepts a chance. Are you limiting the amount of time that they can lease for? Are you are you capping it at a year, or are you so so that you can bring new people in? Like, hey, you get a year to test this thing out, and if mm-hmm. it doesn't work, I mean, because they may say, hey, this is a great location, we want to stay here for twenty years. You're like, no, 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 we want to bring new people in to be able to to, to try it out. Yeah, so we um, we did start off with one year leases because the way that we structured it. We are providing a hood vent, a grease trap, a three compartment sink, and a walk-in cooler. Basically, the most expensive equipment that you'll have in a restaurant. Because again, we wanted to lower that barrier of entry. We wanted cool concepts, cool chefs uh, to give them a chance. So we did limit it to one year because we're including utilities. And restaurant utilities can be insane, Mm -hmm. especially when you have six concepts on one utility bill. Um, So I don't know where the rents are going to go, but we also wanted it to be flexible so that if, you know, somebody doesn't necessarily perform very well or they're not a crowd favorite, we have the ability to change that out year after year. And they're not locked into a five-year commitment if they realize within 12 months that they're, it's just not going to fly. This is super cool. Yeah. I noticed, do you have, um, I, I read that all of your tenants are going to be either minority owned or women owned. Um, why is that important to you? You know, it's uh, again, this, it, this project almost took control and we were just sitting in the back seat, uh, which I think is, is really fun. We had not set out from the start to provide that or to go for that. That was not a goal that we'd even, it didn't even cross our minds. Like, Hey, maybe we have the opportunity to give someone else a chance. That's just what it became, right? Like when we created this attainable, you know, restaurant startup space, people who may not have had an opportunity otherwise suddenly had an opportunity and that's just what it became. So you think about that, you know, we're, we accidentally brought some equity into the Nashville restaurant scene. And I, I love that that was, uh, th- that was part of it. To me, that's huge. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, totally unintentional. <laughs> well, I love it. I think that's very cool too. Um, so you said you wanted to expand outside of East Nashville and do something like this. So you're a native. Do you ever cross the river? Like, or <laughs> do you try not to? I, I do try not to. I think uh, East Nashville is, has has felt like home um, for me for the last three or four years. I mean, ever since I crossed the river, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, growing up, you didn't go to East Nashville. Like your parents mm-hmm. told you not to go to that side of town. Um, it just it never crossed my mind as somewhere I would go. And then I um, had a buddy take me out to Crying Wolf one night. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting at the bar drinking bourbon. And I was like, man, this is my kind of bar. And so ever since then, I just started exploring East Nashville and fell in love with it. But yes, I mean, as far as the real estate development goes, I almost exclusively operate in East Nashville and Madison. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have a project going on in Chattanooga. We're working on several other developments out there too. Um, and then with the wash, we'll, you know, the wash would kill it on 12th Avenue South. It would kill it on 8th Avenue or Belmont or West End. 
So we are actively looking in, in North Nashville. I mean, there's there's any number of, of, of locations that this could thrive because you're giving those local neighborhood chefs and restaurant ideas a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, so we think that in the next two to three years, we could have 15 to 20 locations um, throughout the Southeast. So we're looking in Chattanooga, Huntsville, Birmingham, Louisville. Uh, we think that we'll, we'll continue to expand this. Very cool. I, well, I want to pitch South of Nashville to you because living in downtown Franklin and working in Brentwood, like those yeah. areas I feel like are so forgotten for local restaurants. Our friends own Subculture, which I don't know if you guys have been there, but Subculture is incredible. And it's tiny. Like it is basically the size of this bedroom. And because, you know, not to break the fourth wall, but this is my bedroom. Um <laughs> And uh, now they're so popular because they've won the Nashville scene. They were just on the Food Network and all this. So um, now they have to expand outside of their, they're they're looking to expand outside of it last we talked. So I just think that's such a cool opportunity in that area specifically, especially if you're going to continue with minority owned and women owned, like that is such an area for ethnic food that is so exciting. And I feel like people forget about that area, like the old hickories and Nolanville and stuff like that. People just always forget to go there. Yeah. I mean, if we, if we had a good opportunity mm-hmm. um, and we had restaurants that were saying, Hey, if you find a spot in Brentwood, if you find a spot in Nolansville, if you find a spot mm-hmm. in Franklin, we'd be all over it. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I would totally do that. Mm-hmm. Um, we've just always operated like hyper urban core. Yeah, because to me, that's where like all the energy is. I, I mean, I would totally do that, though. I mean, look, if, I, if people start reaching out to y'all saying, hey, we want him to do something in Brentwood, like, let's go do something in Brentwood. Yeah, I love East Nashville. That's where I lived before I got married and we moved out to Franklin. Um, but I love East. Oh. That is, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> when I was like younger and single, I lived in East and loved it. And then my husband was like, we're not going to live in East Nashville. <laughs> we yeah. It's harsh. So I'd love to get into um, exactly what these new tenants are, if you know a lot of the information about them. But first, I want to take a short break to tell you about a couple of sponsors that we have on the show today. Um, first off, I want to talk about Neat Mixology. And uh, I want to talk about Jordan Williams and WEC, uh, uh, WEC Nashville. So Jordan Williams and WEC Nashville, owners of Neat Mixology, they're a company that will come in and help you completely uh, manage your bar. So if you have a bar manager, they have to count inventory every week. What they do is they will come in and count your inventory for you. They will run a variance report. They will give you their assumptions. This is what we have found. They will set pars. They will do your bar ordering for you and create you drink menus. They'll create the drink menus and they'll train your bartenders how to make them. It's pretty amazing. So if you have a bar manager that's doing inventory every week, spending so much time running numbers, and you want them to spend more time actually teaching your bar, your your staff about wine, about cocktails, about proper service, this is your company. The coolest part about this is they are doing all of this for only $500 a month. That's $3 an hour if you're hiring somebody to do this. You cannot find a bar manager for that price. It's only for the first 55 customers, and they're getting close to that number right now. So how do you get a hold of them? How do you find out exactly what they do? You give Jordan a call at 615-973-4511 
or find them at Neat Mixology. They are all over the uh, all over Instagram, posting cool stuff. Uh, we're going to have them in an on-brand next week. We're going to talk about all kinds of cool stuff about inventory. Give them a call. Again, that's 615-973-4511, Neat Mixology. I also want to talk real quick about Sharpier's Bakery. They are celebrating 35 years of fresh baked bread and desserts for your restaurant. They're delivering six days a week with over 130 different types of bread. It's not all burger buns and dinner rolls, folks. You can go to sharpies.com, that's C-H-A-R-P-I-E-R-S.com, and you can see pictures of the different bread that they use. Locally owned for 35 years. Erin Moso's father started the company, and she has been running it for the last five years. Uh, give her a call, 615-356-0822, or visit them at sharpies.com, that's C-H-A-R-P-I-E-R-S.com. On Instagram, they are Sharpies Bakery. And that is it for our uh, short break. We are going to jump right back in with Tyler Cobble. So, Tyler, we were just talking. Um, I said I would love to get into the actual concepts that are going to be showing up at The Wash. We've mentioned ESP, which is a venture from Eastside Bummy. Chad and Grace, it's really going to be pho, right? They're going to be doing, like, soups. Yeah, yeah. I'm, everybody is so excited about that. I mean, everybody's excited about all these concepts, right? Because most of them are concepts that don't exist on the east side. Um, but look, Chad and Gracie have an amazing program. Uh, everything that they make, I'm always impressed. Everything they do, I'm always impressed. So, uh, you know, with the way that they adhere to that traditional Vietnamese, but like, let's make it a little bit Nashville. Let's make it a little bit more modern is really cool to me. So I'm excited to see their, their yeah, it's East side pho. That's what ESP stands for. Uh, very excited to see it. Can't wait for the taste testing. And uh, also they're doing a pop-up. Um, I want to say it's September 19th. Um, it's on a Sunday at 5 30 PM. So cool. okay. Yeah. At the wash at the wash. Yeah. It's going to be at Daisy may. Uh, which is at 1100 Douglas Avenue. Let me make sure. Yeah, because everybody because they actually have not done any pop ups for ESP yet. Um, so I I like that will be the first time that I'm taste testing it too. So yeah, it is um, Sunday, September 19th at 5:30 p.m. It's a pop up at Daisy May at 1100 Douglas Avenue for East Side Fa. Awesome. And then we also have Tootsie Lou's Tacos coming in. And Jeremy from Tootsie Lou's Taco, I met him at um, Gifford's Bacon one day. He was doing he was doing a pop-up with Eastside Bon Me. There was a fun yeah. afternoon there, and I met Jeremy. And uh, he's going to come on the show here real soon, so I can't wait to tell their story. But wait, what right. can you tell us about Tootsie Lou's? Yeah, I, uh, you and I probably walked past each other because uh, I was I was there. The the that carnitas taco that they did with Giffords was oh. unreal. God. Oh, it was out of control. Amazing. And then the everything uh, everything they do at Eastside yeah. Bunmi is just so so damn good. Oh, but yeah, that so was good. It's uh, I mean that's one of the coolest parts about this is you've, you're going to have five amazing restaurants all in one little location with all this seating outside. So it's like go get some tacos, go get a little pho, go get you know go get some pokey. It's it's going to be really cool. But um, Tootsie Lou's is they're taking the traditional uh, mace. Uh, they're actually importing it from Mexico. 
to and i think okay. they might be importing some water too because they're trying to keep it at their tortillas as traditional as possible they are hand making those tortillas even at the pop-ups they're making them the entire time um, and we all know that a tortilla can make or break a taco so uh they're they're absolutely crushing it it's been so fun to watch them because they just moved here from austin uh back in february mm. so they've integrated really well already they're super nice people they're such great can't people. wait to have them on the show and yeah, what and Jeremy, so Megan and Drew. yes so you said the pokey what what, what else we, let's yeah so the pokey is a poke concept um, Kelvin started that, gosh, I want to say maybe two years ago and they're in Brentwood in a honestly not really great location for a restaurant, but they crush it because he has the freshest ingredients. I don't know where he's flying his fish in from, um, but he is getting it very fresh every day. And, uh, there are times I never cross the river, but I, <laughs> there are a couple of times where I have intentionally gone out of my way. Uh, to go down to Brentwood to get the pokey because it's so good. Um, they do a phenomenal takeout as well, which is so perfect for the wash. Where is that location in Franklin? Do you know where it is, Jen? Um, I think my – yeah, I think Kenji's been. But I'm allergic to poke, so I never <laughs> – it's like not on – Oh, are you really? Oh, no. Yeah. Um, it is across the street from uh, Pinnacle Bank on mm -hmm. Franklin Road. Yeah, Kenji's definitely been there. Okay. Cross from yeah, like next to the, you know, where the Walgreens is at Franklin road mm -hmm. and old Hickory Boulevard. It's like basically just South of that. Oh yeah. yeah. Right. I know exactly where that is. Yeah. It's right near us. I mean, um, I mean, you wouldn't see it unless you were looking for it. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's a like a hidden location. The one I'm most excited for that's going in the wash is soy Cubano. Cause I am from Florida and we have no Cuban sandwiches out here. And I miss those mm. so much. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so Soy Cubano has had a crazy amount of like just fandom mm -hmm. uh, going on about it. That's probably the one that we've got messaged about the most, mm -hmm. um, which is always really cool. I mean, Javier is so nice. He's one of the nicest guys, uh, and they have been doing pop-ups. But yeah, I mean, he's going with that traditional Cuban, mm -hmm. and you know, there's not a lot of that in Nashville at all let alone East Nashville. So yeah. really cool to have that. I won't say the name of the restaurant, but when I tell people like Cubans are one of my favorite foods, they're always like, oh, go to this place. And I went to that place and I was like, this is disappointed. It's not a Cuban. I'm like, this is on French yeah. bread. This is not a Cuban. <laughs> like Every time, right? Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> Okay. So there's a, the last one I think is a bar. You're putting a micro bar in there too. Well, so we, we have uh, two Peruvian chefs. As well, they are the final restaurant, um, and I'd never had Peruvian food before. Before I went and tried their food truck, they have—I mean, want the menu's unbelievable, but they have this this pork belly sandwich that just absolutely melts in your mouth. Mm -hmm. uh, it was so good. We're really excited to have those guys in there too. Um, I mean, it's just every every single restaurant concept it's fun i know i keep saying like i'm so excited about it but you meet all of these chefs and their passion behind what they're doing and you can't help but just get wrapped up in that and be so excited too so it's uh, all of the concepts are great we're also doing a bar called basics 
Um, my partner, Jamie Pfeffer, and I are actually opening that bar. So it's kind of our first hospitality venture. Um, we'll be doing that with Jordan Five, who's a hotelier out of California. He's put together a whole bunch of restaurant and bar concepts for the hotels that he has done. And we're doing a, uh, they're basically high-end pre-mixed cocktails. So it's not like we're just or importing stuff. I mean, we're actually making them in um, base six, but we're doing that so that it's ease of labor, one, because it's been really difficult to find people to come work, mm-hmm. um, but two, just so it's quick. Right. And we're going to be crafting the cocktails around the different restaurants that we've got going in. So, yeah, so you can kind of come in and pair it, you know, uh, maybe get, you know, some sort of, um, you know, margarita uh, to go with Tootsie Lou's or something to that extent. But the uh, base six will be the only uh, bay that actually has seating inside. It'll have probably 20 seats and then the outside patio uh, about. 25 to 30 percent of that is covered and we'll have about 70 to 80 seats outside there's only five or six parking spots on site and they are 10 minutes max so it is for to go and delivery because we are definitely promoting that um so bring your bikes bring your scooters or walk (laughs) uber uber yep We're, we're promoting urbanism there you go i like it so that's uh, I'm, I'm super excited about the wash coming into town. Let me ask you some questions about you. Can we just pivot to you yeah. personally? Let's learn, let's learn about Tyler. We've been talking about the wash, and I'm super excited about that. But you yourself, um, where's your favorite place to go in East Nashville? Like, would you? If, what's your like go to? You said you eat out every day. What's your yeah. go to spot? Ooh, go to spot for for lunch or dinner? Well, uh, let's start at lunch. Start at lunch. Hmm. I went to Eastside Bonnie three times last week. <laughs> it's so, it's they're so good. It's so good. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Edley's. That may be a cop out just because they've gotten big, but I mean, look, Edley's is great. Um, they do a great lunch. We've been great dinner. What? So they do a great lunch. You get in there. It's quick. It's, it's very. So easy. It's always consistent. It's fantastic. I mean, they're they're, they're a very well operated restaurant. It's so good. It's so good. On the weekends, probably Margo's uh, for brunch. Um, and then as far as dinner goes, I would say, I mean, Peninsula is hands down my number one favorite restaurant in Nashville. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think what Craig and Jake have going on over there is unreal. I used to live across the street, which was very dangerous because mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I was there just about every night. Um, Lachlan Table is phenomenal. Butcher and B phenomenal. I mean, the amazing thing about East Nashville, you start thinking about the food scene and a lot of people that are from Nashville would not, it it like almost doesn't compute to them that East Nashville actually has some of the best like upscale, you know, cuisine uh, in the city, but it does. And we're about to get the Audrey. Yes. uh, From Sean Brock. And then what do I'm I'm kind of amazed that you didn't say two ten Jack. I was waiting too. So, I was like, You're the first one to not say that. <laughs> so two ten Jack is on the. I mean, I went there the other night. It's two uh, ten Jack. That the crispy rice tuna is one of the best dishes I've ever had. I love two ten Jack. Well, it's when I ask people what their favorite restaurant in Nashville is, like ninety two point three percent of the time they say two ten Jack. That's awesome. I mean, it makes sense because every time I go there, I have to get reservations like a week in advance or it's a two hour wait. 
Mm-hmm. It's it's a totally a thing. Yeah. Um, are you married? I am not. I'm single. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you have a, a whole sleeve of tattoos. Uh, yeah, I've got a couple of tattoos. <laughs> are there any interesting stories? Can you show us a tattoo and tell us like a, a story behind why you got it? Or are you just like, you just show Ooh. up one day and like, hey, cover my arm. So, uh, I mean, you may be able to see the one of my ribs. Yes, I can see that. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> really subtle. That's, a, that's actually the first time I've ever been asked that. I love it. Um, so my family owns a uh, a cattle ranch down in Texas, about an hour and a half west of Dallas, and it's been in our family for generations. And so that is our family cattle brand. So that was my first tattoo that I ever got. Um, I've got. I don't know, probably over 40 hours worth of work, probably 40 or 50 hours worth of work at this point. But my half my back is done. It's mostly Japanese style. Um, my right chest is done, and then my entire right arm is done. Do you where have plans? Go. Oh, go ahead. Where, where do you oh, go? I was going to say, so I look like a chef. <laughs> <laughs> you do, actually. Um, where do you go? Where's your shop? Uh, I go to Laura down at Music City Tattoo. I mean, okay. she's been doing my tattoos for like eight years. She's mm-hmm. awesome. Wow. Yeah. All right. Uh, you also have a podcast. You are uh, you you sit in our seat a lot of the time. Uh, tell us about your podcast. I do. Yeah. So it's a it's called the Commercial Real Estate Investor Podcast, and it's a podcast that is directed towards people who want to learn about how to invest in commercial real estate. Mostly, a there are some episodes where we get a little more into the advanced topics. Uh, but for the most part, it is a general like, hey, you know, if you ha- you know nothing about commercial real estate, let's teach you. Uh, because what I've found over the years, so many business owners have no idea, um, one, how valuable owning your own real estate is, but two, how to go about actually doing that. Because you don't control your destiny unless you control your destiny, right? And so you've got to go out and own your real estate to be able to do that. And you can actually have your business funded. So it, we, we talk about a lot of that stuff. It started, I guess, back in February, we we started a YouTube channel back uh, when the pandemic first hit, um, basically doing all of that kind of training. And so I took, uh, like I told you, I took the lazy approach to a podcast and we just pull the audio off the YouTube channel. We, we do interviews, we do educational uh, videos, we do commercial real estate news. It's kind of all over the place. So when it comes down to commercial real estate and restaurateurs, what's the biggest mistake you see people do not, not owning their property is so I mean, if, let's just assume that our audience knows absolutely nothing about commercial real estate. What are some basics you could share with us? Yeah. So, I mean, absolute basics. Yes. I mean, I, I think of course you want to test out your concept and figure out will it fly, right? I mean, you don't want to just go buy real estate and then invest seven figures in this building and then hope that something happens. Um, you know, we typically recommend three to five years of testing it out before you go through that process. The good thing is, unless you pick a terrible location in Nashville, even if your restaurant concept fails, you will be able to lease that space out to the next restaurant group. So it will, it can and will become an investment for you. So that's a good backup uh, case in case you need it. Um, but yeah, I would say they, they, a lot of people just don't even think about that. And you look at what's going on in Nashville right now, like a lot of these, a lot of these groups didn't own their real estate um, over the last 10 years. And 
Nashville's grown a lot. And so they didn't get to really take into account the appreciation of the real estate. And these landlords are coming back and going, hey, your rent's doubled and there's nothing they can do about it. So, I mean, look, there's nothing wrong with leasing space. I think that you absolutely should start out doing that. But once you've proven your concept, you really should start looking at buying. And there are a lot of options for owner-occupied real estate. That is actually one of the most sought-after investments from banks. Banks want to give you money if you're owner-occupied because it is the least risky loan, aside from like a dentist, that they can give. Because you would have to close your business in order for you to default on your loan. And a lot of people, I mean, just you don't do that, right? Like you work to figure it out. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you can put, you can get an SBA loan and I think put 10% down. Wow. And that, and you can include the build out for your restaurant in that. So, I mean, if you buy a million dollar space and you need to spend a million, let's just assume that there, it was not second generation restaurant and you spend a million dollars to build it out you only need to come up with $200,000. So like you think about that, you can go get one or two investors or just get private money and own it yourself. Mm-hmm. That's good. It's good. It's a good point. What's the biggest miss? Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, I mean, I think, I think it, it makes all the difference in the world for some restaurant groups. I, I mean, you guys probably know story after story of amazing, you know, darling Nashville restaurants that have gone under because a landlord decided to sell the building or they decided to double the rent or they decided to tear it down and redevelop it. I mean, it happens all the time. Well, it's not a restaurant, but even Exit In, right, is like going through yeah. that whole thing right now and Nashville saving it. And yeah, that was a... That was going to be devastating, I think. Yes. I mean, I, that, that has been a staple since I was a little kid. We can't lose that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Tyler, I don't want to. Um, is there anything we're missing? Anything you want to talk about that I'm not bringing up? No, I, I think uh, just one thing that I want to leave you guys off with. It's, it's amazing where the Nashville restaurant scene uh, has come. Because mm-hmm. when I was growing up, I remember Chipotle coming to town and like that being the biggest deal in the world. We're like, no way we're getting a Chipotle. And uh, you know, there are lines around the block and, and now it's, it's almost like every few months we have James Beard award-winning chefs announcing concepts, or we have some celebrity chefs announcing concepts. It's really cool to see uh, that Nashville is finally on the foodie scene and deserves to be because we've got some amazing chefs here doing incredible work. Mm-hmm. Jean George at the Hermitage Hotel. Uh, that reminds me that this coming Monday, you will get to hear our conversation with Ben Norton, who is the new executive chef from Husk. And Husk cool. was that restaurant for me. Like when when Husk yeah. opened, I thought it was the most significant restaurant to come to Nashville. And then Jonathan Waxman and then all these other people started coming. And it was like, okay, here we go. Here we go. This 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 is pretty damn cool. Yeah, it was wild. Yeah, I remember when Jonathan Waxman came into town. It's just like, what is happening? It's yeah, so like, wild I, that, you know, Nashville started to just become the next. I mean, I, I'm not going to say this. Everybody's going to get mad at me for saying this, but become the next L.A. In that <laughs> sense, I have to say in that sense. <laughs> Where do you see Nashville in the next 10 years? Where do you see the market going? Are we going to, is it going to level out? Do you think we're going to continue just to, we're just going to see cranes everywhere? Is it, is traffic going to get worse? What, what are you seeing for our city? 
Yeah, so I, I love all of those questions. Um, look, Nashville is so tied to job growth. As long as we are continuing to announce these massive corporate relocations, we're going to be just fine. So you look at over the next 10 years, Amazon hasn't even really started to roll out their employees yet. Oracle just announced another 8,500 jobs. So over the next 10 years, we are Nashville, unless some crazy catastrophic thing happens that shuts down the world again, Nashville is going to crush it. I mean, just so well positioned. You look at, I mean, the majority of clients that we're dealing with now, which is still mind boggling to me, are from California, New York, Chicago. I've got investors out of Australia looking at Nashville now. So it's uh, Nashville is is on the international scene um, at this point. Uh, traffic will continue to get worse. Um, that's a good and a bad thing, right? I mean, it's it's getting worse because Nashville is getting more popular, and uh, there are plenty of studies that show as traffic um, actually increases, GDP increases exponentially. So while sitting in traffic may not be the best thing in the world. It means that the city is doing better and better and better. Um, but yeah, Nashville is going to continue to grow. I think that we're going to continue to see these um, shifts to live, work, play within, not necessarily within like developments, but within neighborhoods. You'll see a lot of people in East Nashville that don't want to leave East Nashville. You'll see people in 12 South that won't necessarily want to leave the like Green Hills, 12 South Belmont areas. Um, you'll see people in Franklin that won't necessarily want to leave Franklin. So you think of all of the amenities and stuff like that that need to start popping up um, in order to accommodate that. There's a lot of opportunity there. Wow. I mean, think about that. So there's a, there's a lot of opportunity for growth. There's a lot of opportunity. If you're right now trying to figure out what you're going to invest in, I think that uh, Tyler just outlined a pretty good strategy for you. Yeah. Go focus on neighborhoods. I, they are the future. I mean, Na Nashville used to be so sprawled, like, you know, people would live in Spring Hill and Thompson Station and come and work in Nashville. Well, now traffic's so, it takes forever to get into town. It's like, no, we're going to go work in Cool Springs now because that's kind of the new downtown. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's going to create a lot of opportunities. Wow. I love it. Well, I typically let the, uh, I, I let my guests take us out with whatever they want to say for as long as they want to say it. It's kind of a final thought, but I feel like you just did that. Do you have another, do you have like another final thought you want to say, or do you want to use what you just now said? I think that's it, man. I, I love this city. I love where we're headed and uh, I'm excited for the next 10 years. Well, we're excited that you were able to take the time today to talk to us and let us know about the wash kind of keep get us up to date on what's happening in the city as far as commercial real estate's involved we, we just scratched the surface of that i know but if you want to learn more about commercial real estate in nashville check out tyler cobble's uh podcast and tell us where we can find it yeah it's just uh apple and stitcher and uh spotify it's just the commercial real estate investor podcast the commercial real estate investor podcast uh, you can also find him at commercial underscore n underscore Nashville, and you can follow the wash at eat wash. Tyler, thanks for joining us today on Nashville Restaurant Radio. Brandon, Jen, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. that Thank you so much, Tyler Cobble, for joining us on Nashville Restaurant Radio. Again, that was just so much fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's very, very nice. Look forward to hanging out with him. I think we're all going to go grab dinner at Peninsula sometime soon. <laughs> 
Let's make that happen, Mr. Cobble. And uh, we thank you guys for listening today. We will see you Monday for Ben Norton. And then we'll see you Thursday for the Influencer's Guide to the Best of Nashville. And we will see you Sunday for Brandon's Book Club. And Sunday again for Talking Shift. Hope you guys are being safe out there. Love you guys. Love you. Bye.